0: Everyone has a story with moments of longing, confusion, pain, and sadness, but we have been invited. We have been invited to be a part of a greater story, to be a part of a greater story, of a greater story, one of hope, one of hope, love, peace, and healing. This is God's story, God's story, our story, our story, your story, a story of immeasurably more, a story of immeasurably more, a story of immeasurably more. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. Uh, this morning, we come to the com- culmination of just this great series, man. We've been in this great series called Immeasurably More, and God's been challenging us and speaking to us about what it means to live an immeasurably more life. and And it's been awesome to see, you know, the testimonies and to hear those stories, to To read the book, to be in community group and hear what God's teaching us and how God's growing us. And and I just love it. And many people have been sharing their measurably more stories with us. And it's just been awesome to hear and awesome to see. And so I hope God's been stirring in you. Uh, We've been in a seven-day devotional kind of leading up to this time today as we talk about our story and what God's doing in each of us. And so I hope that you're prepared and thinking and processing, saying, God, what do you want to do in me? Uh, Because there's been this key verse throughout this whole series, right? It's Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, which says, now to him, that's God, who is able, our God is able, right? Anything you face, our God is greater. Our God is able to do immeasurably more, not just a little bit of more, but immeasurably more than all we can ask or all we imagine. That God could do more than we can even think. And to think about your biggest plans for your life, your biggest dreams, God could do even more. More than we ask, more than we can imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. Right? It's not according to us. It's not what we do. It's according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory, right? We're not just building our own kingdoms, but we're bringing glory to God. To Him be glory in the church, the body of Christ, and in Christ Jesus, the one true Son of God, our Savior, our Deliverer, our Hope, our Redeemer, our Restorer, and in all generations all generations preschool children students us every generation that has ever existed forever and ever amen and and i love this and we've said hey if you want to live this immeasurable more life there's a there's some key things number one you have to open your eyes you got to open your eyes to what god's doing in the world and you got to start to see that and so often man we we live with just focused on us and the things that are happening here but god says i don't want you to live with fear i want you to live with faith I want you to live with boldness. We said that, hey, you've got to join in the journey. Right? It's about obedience, not outcome. It's about being obedient and following. When God prompts your heart, when God stirs within you, be obedient. Trust God. Don't worry about the outcome, how it's all going to play out. And so many times we want to know, God, what's going to happen. God's going, just be obedient when I stir in your heart and your life. Uh, we've said this, that you've got to move over for a miracle. You've got to align your life with the heartbeat of God. Align your life and your agenda with God's agenda, and and not just your own. And then we said you gotta bust through the roadblocks. There's gonna be roadblocks, right? Satan doesn't want us to succeed. Satan doesn't want us to win. You gotta bust through those things, and you gotta move on. And then today, we're talking about this, you gotta jump in heart first, right? You just gotta go all in. And we set it up last week, and today as we talk about your story, there comes a time in your life when you make a decision. There comes a time in your life when you say, you know what, I I don't want to just settle for the things of the world. I want to go all in. I want to be a man or a woman after the heartbeat of God. I want to be a person whose life matters for the glory of God. I want to leave a legacy that's bigger than me. I want to follow you, God. So this morning, we're going to write a little bit of our story, and and here's what I'm going to challenge you to do today. I want to challenge you to kind of run on a dual track, all right, I do this a lot of times, if Pastor Nick's preaching or Pastor Chase or Jason or somebody. I'm sitting there and I'm taking notes because there's you know, note cards there. And I have my Bible open and I'm looking at the scriptures. But I'm also praying, okay God what are you saying to me? And when God prompts me I'm kind of writing down over here. Okay that, that's me right there. I need to do that. I need to do this. So, so I'm going to ask you to run on dual track. Inside your worship guide this morning uh, there is a little kind of a note card. And it looks like this. Hopefully you have one of these. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do. It's just a big note card, and it's a note card actually to you. So there's a place for your address that you can write your address on here. And later on in the service, we're going to come to communion. We're going to bring these. We're going to drop these in. And we as a church, we're going to mail this back to you in six months. All right? So in six months, you're going to get this back. And so I'm going to just challenge you this morning. As you're taking notes, as we're walking through Romans chapter 8, and we're looking at the scripture, what is your story you know, you've heard some incredible stories. You've seen what God has been doing overall. You've heard these things. But, but what about you, personal? What's God saying to you? And would you just kind of write yourself a letter? Would you maybe, maybe want to do bullet points? Maybe you want to just kind of spell it out. I don't know. Some of you are creative. Maybe you want to do a drawing. I don't know. But, but what is your story? What has God been prompting your heart over these last six weeks? And God has been saying to you. And then we're going to bring this communion. We're going to mail it back to you later on. But what is your story? What is your story today? So if you have a Bible with you this morning, I invite you up with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. As we see the word of God unfold this morning. Uh, Also, if you're watching online, I encourage you to get a piece of paper. Kind of write some notes down for yourself as you talk about your own immeasurably more story. And uh, be looking at that as well. But we're looking at Romans chapter 8 today. Romans chapter 8. And I love this chapter. Okay, so it is just awesome. And I would love to take the whole, it would take us, you know, six weeks to go through this whole thing. But but so let's pick up here at verse 18. Verse 18. We're looking at God's story, our story, and then we're going to come down to your story. We're going to see how that plays out. So pick up here verse 18 of Romans chapter 8. Here's what the apostle Paul writes to the church in Rome and to us today. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So first of all, you have to think about this, that God has an eternal plan for you. God has an eternal plan for you. See, a lot of times our thinking is very short term. We have to start seeing our story in light of the greater story. We have to start seeing our story in light of eternity. You know, so many people live for retirement. That's kind of their goal, right? I can't wait till I retire. My goal is to retire when I'm 50. Or my goal is to retire when I'm 55. My goal is to retire when I'm 60. And they spend all this time going through, you know, what the stock market's going to do and where they are in their investments. And and their, their whole goal is living for retirement. As a believer, right, that's not our goal. Our goal is living for Christ. And we have to understand that there is eternal impact that's being made. And we have to look at this with a greater view. So your story, as you think about your story, think about it in light of eternity. Think about it in light of the opportunity that you have to make an eternal difference for the glory of God. That begins to change things. Here's what the scripture keeps going, verse 19, right? It says, the creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. See, all creation is longing for eternity. Well, God created, right? God created man. God created this beautiful garden. God put Adam and Eve in the garden and everything was perfect. God created the world and it was awesome. And then what happened? Man sinned, right? Go to the fall, Genesis chapter three. And when man sinned, what entered into the world? Death, decay, it wasn't there before. See, God's story is a story of making things new. God's story is a story of redemption. God's story is a story of reconciliation. And all of creation longs for it. And you were created, I was created. Inside of us, we long to be made right and new. You know, these bodies that we have, they wear out. We all know that, right? You know, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm getting older. Why do I have these aches and pains? Where did that come from? The weather must be changing. My knee hurts. You know what I mean? Like, where did that, you know, we never had that before. But You just see, we, our bodies are in this state of decay, yet our souls and our spirits are not. Our soul is created for eternity. Our soul is going to go on. All creation is longing for this and having an eternal view patiently. See, Apostle Paul's going, if you already have it, there's no hope. The hope is that this world is not all that there is. That there is more to the story. That there is a greater story that God's writing. So as you look at your story, you begin to think about, there's some things that are eternal. And how is my life aligning with the things that are really going to last? Do you know what? There's only three things that are eternal. (coughs) Only three. Number one is this, God. God is eternal, the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, right? I mean, he is eternal. Number two is God's Word. God's Word is eternal. All generations, God's Word is eternal. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the Word of the Lord stands forever, right? The Scripture tells us. The third thing that is eternal are people. People are eternal. People are eternal. So when you look at your story, say, hey, how am I growing in these things that are eternal? How am I growing in my relationship with God? How am I spending time with Him? You know, maybe that's something as you look at your Measuring More story, you start to say, hey, I want to spend more time with the Lord. I want to grow deeper in my faith. I want to read the Word of God. I want to make a commitment to be a man or woman after His heart. Maybe as you look at your Measuring More story, you say, you know what? What's really going to last are people. I wanna see God work in my marriage or in my future marriage. I wanna really see God work in my kids. I wanna really start to invest in things that are gonna last or maybe with your coworkers or maybe with your neighbors and start to say, how can I be a part of something bigger here? How can I invest in things that are eternal? I was talking with God the other day and he, he was, we were laughing about this. He goes, you know what, Jeff, somebody's gonna own everything you have. I mean, one day somebody else is gonna live in your house Somebody else is going to drive your car. You know, somebody else is even going to wear your shoes. Somebody else is going to have your clothes. I mean, somebody else is going to own everything you have. I mean, all that stuff that we spend all of our time going after, somebody else is going to own it. What's going to last? What's going to last? And are you and I, are we investing our time, are we investing our lives in the things that are eternal? And man, we can get caught up, right? We can get caught up building our own kingdom. We get caught up living for, you know, what, a nicer car, a bigger house. We can get caught up in all, all these things, all these things. And they're not bad, that's fine. But if we miss out on what really matters, and inside of our soul and our spirit, we know that. And so as you think about your story, are you investing in the things that are eternal? Are you aligning with the heartbeat of God? Are you bringing glory to Him? Then there's our story, right? If you look at this, it says, in the same way the Spirit helps us. Now stop right there, us. The Spirit helps us. You see, our God is a communal God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our God is about community. And you have to think about that. Your story is seen in light of community. Your story is a part of the church. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. Jesus taught us to pray. How did he teach us to pray? Our Father. Right? There's community there. And, And so, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Now, I love that because what it shows us is this, is that God is for us. God is for us. The Holy Spirit is interceding on your behalf to the Lord. The Holy Spirit is saying, hey, God, look. Look what they're going through. Look look what the challenges they're facing. God, be with them. Give them strength. But you also have to see this as God speaking through us, the church. And when you look at the story of the church, and your story should align with the church. Your story should say, hey, how can I grow in what God's doing in the church? How can I join in? How can I be a part of the bigger story that God's writing? And so maybe for you, maybe God's been speaking to you about baptism. And maybe that's a part of your Measuring More story, or maybe it's having a spiritual conversation with your, with your child and having that opportunity to say, hey, in the next six months, next year, next three years, I don't know when, but man, as a parent, I just can't wait to see my child come to know Christ. Have that opportunity to Maybe even baptize them. I, I don't know. I want them to understand the depth of God's love. And I, I'm glad they're learning math. And I'm glad they can kick a soccer ball. But man, I want them to know something that's going to stay with them not only through middle school and high school but all the way for the rest of their life. I want them to know Christ. I want them to know what is eternal and what's going to last. And Maybe for you it's joining the church. Maybe it's partnering. And maybe it's saying, hey, I want to be a part of a bigger story. I want to join in. I don't know. But I know this that God is saying align your story with my story for eternity and align your story with what I'm doing in the world because I work through the church. Jesus said upon this rock, and what was the rock? The confession of faith. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, hey, I put you in community for a reason. You need one another. Now as we look at what God's been doing here at Rolling Hills, I mean, it's been incredible. And all glory to Him. And a lot of people go, hey, tell me the story. And so we, a lot of times we'll talk about, yeah, we were 15 people in apartment clubhouse. And we moved to the Marriott Hotel. We were in the Marriott Hotel for a year. And then they would kick us out. We didn't know where to go. And God opened the door to move into the movie theater. And we were met in the movie theater for five years. Setting up and tearing down, you know. And God just was faithful. And God was moving. And, and then God provided this warehouse. Wow, 146,000 square feet. And three tenants that help pay for the mortgage. So whenever we give our tithes and our offerings, it goes to ministry and missions. It's it's a miracle. It really is. Then we prayed for five acres of land, maybe in the future for additional parking. God gives us 27. You're like, what? You know, in Franklin. I mean, come on. It's like, what is going on here? I mean, it's miracles. I mean, it really is. When God says, listen, I'm not finished with you, church. There's people who need me. And I want you to share my story with others. This isn't a country club. This is for you to be empowered to go and be the hands and feet of Christ locally and nationally and internationally because the world needs Christ. But the real miracle of the church is not buildings and things like that. The miracle of the church is people. We are the church. In this day, in this generation, we are the church. And some of you had parents and grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-great-great-grandparents who were part of the church in their day and their generation. And God used them. And now they've passed that mantle on to us. And we're the church. And we're not perfect. Oh, wow, we're far from perfect. But we are a work in progress. And every day we're just saying, okay, God, use me for your glory. You know what? I'm a product of the church, <laughs> and I'm so thankful. I'm thankful I had parents who took me when I was in preschool. I think I was there the next Sunday. I don't know. You know, I, mean, I was like, well, i have always remember being there. And I was grew up at a great church. I remember being in vacation Bible school and memorizing Bible verses. I, I, I remember doing Bible drill. Ready? Present Bibles. Ready? You know, I mean, I remember. I remember all these things. I remember being in middle school and and having a group of kids in the student ministry. I remember being in high school and and just this group of guys that I still keep up with, right? I mean, 30 years later, we're still buddies. We still keep up and email and text and just say, hey, what's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? And I'm thankful for my parents. And I'm thankful for the generations that are being raised up all around us right now because it matters, (laughs) And it set a foundation in me to say, hey, this is important. And I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for you, church. The, the way you serve, the way you pray, the, the way you just say, hey, we want to make a difference in our day. We want to bring glory to God in our day. You know, the first year we started, we took a mission team to Moldova. Who would have ever dreamed what God was going to do there? In the lives of these precious orphan children, this past Tuesday night, we had a, our JMI gala, Justice and Mercy International, this nonprofit we started you know, six years ago or seven years ago. and I was looking around the room that night and I just thought, "Wow. I mean, God, we could have never dreamed what you were going to do in, in reaching orphans. And vulnerable children there in Moldova and the poorest of the poor in the Amazon and, and reaching people in South Africa that we've grown to love. And, and I'm looking around the room Tuesday night and I'm seeing our national directors from you know, the Amazon and from Moldova and they're here and, and I'm seeing people from all over. And I look and there's about seven or eight former orphans from Moldova that are just spread throughout that people have adopted or brought in. I started welling up in tears just going, wow, God. Thank you for a church that believes that you could change hearts and lives. There was a girl there that night, her name's Jazgul. And Jazgul, she grew up in Moldova. Actually, she was born in Kyrgyzstan. And her mom couldn't afford her. Her mom took her to a train station to try to sell her. And she was ten lay short, less than a dollar. Every time I see this girl, my heart just breaks. But God had a plan for her, and for her sisters. Even though her mom took her outside the city and didn't know what to do, it was basically for about three weeks they didn't eat until some people in the village found them and brought them to the orphanage. And Jazgold said she grew up in this orphanage and she would lay in bed at night and just pray to a God she didn't even know. Because she knew at 16 she would have to leave and she didn't know where to go. And At 16, somebody told her about the Grace House that you guys, as a church, that we helped start in Kishnell, Moldova. And Jasgul came to the Grace House, gave her life to Christ, was baptized, learned English, had a sponsor here at church who prayed for her, and by the grace of God, helped her come to the States. And she started at Lipscomb University last year. And as a sophomore this year, she came to the gala and with about 70 others from church who served at the gala she stood around and served tables and here's what she posted on facebook that night she put this picture up and then she just said tonight was full of moments that rhyme with the expansive heart of god laughter tears worship stories of transformation and family reunion so blessed to be a part of the annual jmi benefit gala And it was such a joy to put food on the table. For those who once filled my table, my heart is full. I just read that and I thought, wow. That's church. That's church. That's you. That's you saying we want to make a difference in our day and our generation." And your story, your Measuring More story, is about making a difference. It's about not just what God can do in you or in your family, but what God can do through you to literally impact the world. But it's not just orphans in Moldova, is it? It's not just the poorest of the poor in the Amazon or South Africa. It's also right here. And we have a call to share God's good news with with people right here in our own community. Because the fact is, people need the Lord. And people need hope. And they need Christ. And they need life. We were meeting at the movie theater, and somebody invited a, a girl named Martha. And Martha started coming to church, and her husband reluctantly came. He didn't want to come. Not a believer. He was working on his PhD at Vanderbilt, scientist, brilliant mind. But he started to come, and every time Martha would go and help in the children's area, he would sit in the movie theater seats and just sit back like this. He didn't really want to be there or have anything to do with it. And then one day, God got a hold of his heart. (laughs) And God used a little girl. I wrote about it here he sent me a letter, and here's what Ken said. He said, One day a baby girl came to the ministry and could not be consoled by any of the women working in the baby or toddler areas. All the women had taken a turn with a girl without result. They asked me in sheer desperation <laughs> if I could at least hold her and keep her from upsetting the other babies. Some of you guys have been there, haven't you? <laughs> as soon as she saw me, she practically jumped into my arms. And the significance of this leap of faith is only realized once you recognize that I was a somewhat larger, grumpy, mohawked man in shredded jeans and a t-shirt, lounging carelessly nearby without any interest in little people crawling around me. I consider this moment as the beginning of my reconciliation with the church. I had hardened my logic, intellect, and professionalism to religion through hours of study and debate, and I could rebuff almost any appeal that religion could hold. All of this preparation was nothing compared to this tiny baby wanting only to be held and comforted by me in a new and confusing place. Every week thereafter, this baby girl would arrive, and her parents would reluctantly give her to the only person in the room <laughs> who could soothe her. Through her, my steadfast atheism and clinical skepticism was overcome with stacks of blocks and a fascination with toddler-safe toys. Eventually, the time came when the classes were moved up, and a new batch of children was introduced to Sunday school, and the baby girl became a confident student of the Lord. I wasn't sure what would happen, but of course, there were more babies who would go to no one but the grumpy man with the mohawk. Over the years, my wife and I became the sole watchers of the toddler class during the first service. The mohawk eventually faded away, and I became comfortable with babies, toddlers, and young children. The children came to view my wife and I as a safe people in a time when few children accept anyone but their parents in that role. This became especially important when we found that we were unable to have children naturally. If I had not had so much experience with small children, I might not have been so keen to have children of my own, especially given the difficulty and expense associated with procedures. Only through the support of our church family, community group, and parents were we able to finally have our own baby girl. And we look forward to many more to come, thanks to our involvement with our church family. God has shown me that I have a gift for comforting small children and a gift for science. To this day, I can't decide which gift is greater. But I intend to use them both to the utmost of my abilities for my immediate family and for my church family. (laughs) And you know, that was seven years ago. And Ken is walking with the Lord today. He shared his story live over at our Nolansville campus this morning. And his wife wrote me this email. And she just said recently, she said, I knew where my husband was in his journey, or lack thereof, when I married him. But I did not want to let him go. And I'm so thankful that neither did God. That he brought that sweet little baby girl into his life and began to change his heart. I see him now loving on our kids that I know could only be created by God's hand. And my whole soul smiles as he thanks the Lord for them and with them at night. I can't say I ever imagined where we would be here, but I am so thankful for every day that we are. And I just thought, wow, God, only God. Only God, through his church, sharing the love of Christ and just saying, hey, we want to invite you. And maybe you're imagining more stories. There's people in your life who don't know the Lord. There's people in your life or your family or your friends or your coworkers. and Maybe God's just saying, start to pray. And you look at it and you go, but God, it's impossible, right? And God's going, nothing's impossible with me what's amazing to me is that little baby girl that leaped into Ken's arms and has mohawk and his t-shirt and shredded jeans that little baby girl Hannah Francis was baptized about three months ago right out there and I just think God's story God's story of redemption God's story of grace God's story as you and I begin to align our lives with him so what is your story? See, Romans eight twenty eight says this, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Now, I want you to see something about that verse. It doesn't say all things are good, right? It says that God works for the good, that God is working in your heart, that God is working in your life, that God is weaving a tapestry that is beautiful in you, that God is doing a greater story. Now this morning, don't let Satan kind of say, hey, you know what, your past, don't let your past define you. You be a man or woman who goes forward. If you've ever looked at a backside of a beautiful quilt, you'll go, what is that? I mean, it's all disheveled, and... but then you turn it around and you're like, wow, <laughs> wow. You look at a mosaic and you gotta have the right perspective. And God's going, I'm doing something in you I'm doing something in you for my name and for my glory. Would you trust me? I'm redeeming your past, I'm restoring you. I'm making things whole, I'm making things right because that's what I do, God says. In verse 29 it says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. See, God has a plan for you and that is that you look more and more like Jesus. So when you look at your story, think about your story in light of eternity. Think about your story in light of the body of Christ because Jesus is coming back for his church. And think of your story in light of your character and integrity looking more and more like Jesus. That God is doing something in you. That he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. Right? That it's an eternal perspective. And what should we say to all this? If God is for us, then who can be against us? That you understand that God is for you. God wants you to know his will for you, God wants you to grow in your faith, God wants you to become. God loves you that much. God loves you. I love how Romans 8 ends in verse 37. It just says, no. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Praise be to God. So as you look at your life, are there things that look impossible? Are there things that, maybe like Martha, I would have ever dreamed, you know, that Kim would come to know Christ, that he'd be the husband that God called him to be. Are there things that look impossible? Or well, maybe financially. Maybe in your family. Maybe in your ministry. Maybe in your career. Are the things that you're starting to pray about and saying, God, do it more? You know, I haven't even brought this to you, God, because I didn't think <laughs> I didn't think that you could handle it. If I was to be honest, God, I didn't think that you could handle it. But God, today I just want to pray that you would write a greater story. That you, God, would do something that only you can do. What's your story? What's God writing in you? You know, Jesus took 12 disciples. And he took them on a journey, didn't he? And these guys, they followed at first, even before they believed, right? They followed. And they saw God doing miracles in other people's lives. And then Jesus took them the, the night they was betrayed, and he brought them together. And he said, guys, I want to do a miracle in you. I want to do a miracle in you. And as you start to think about it, you know what? You are the miracle. And you hear miracles that happen, but, but you have breath in your lungs for a reason. You have a roof over your head and clothes to wear. But even more so, you have a Savior who died so that you could have eternal life with him. You have a Savior who died so that you could be redeemed and restored and made new. You're the miracle. And God's not finished with you. So he brings his disciples together, and he looks them in the eye, and he takes bread and he says, guys, this is my body broken for you. This is my body broken for you. I'm going to die for you. And after supper he took the cup and he said guys there's a new covenant right? You were under the old covenant. When you sinned and you messed up, you were on the outside looking in. But there is a new covenant of grace. And as you go forward you live in the new covenant. You live in the redemption and the reconciliation that only God can give. I can imagine Peter sitting there or John and thinking Man, we're just common fishermen and yet Jesus looking into their hearts and their lives and going oh I'm going to use you to change the world <laughs> one life at a time sharing Christ I'm going to use you to change the world and so today we come as his disciples and we come to his table and this is your time with the Lord this is you and him I'm going to invite our A6 guys, these are some of our spiritual leaders at church, to to head to the tables. And there will be couples that are there, husbands and wives. and, And they're going to serve today. And so when you come to the table, I'm going to invite you to bring your story. Whatever God's been saying to you, if you want us to take that and mail that back to you in six months, and just bring it and drop it into the basket that's on the table. And then to take a piece of the bread, Christ's body broken for you, to dip into the cup, his blood poured out for you, and to receive the gift that only God can give. (laughs) A gift of grace. A gift of hope. A gift of redemption. A gift of making things new. A gift of immeasurably more. This is your time this is your response so father here we are your disciples and God we've come to worship (laughs) and we've come to dedicate our hearts and our lives to you you are the God who moves in us you are our hope you're our peace you're our joy and so today I pray father that you would stir in us a greater story That we wouldn't settle for the things of this world, God. That we wouldn't settle for so little. (laughs) But God, that we would trust you and understand that you are able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. That you want to redeem lives and restore hearts. That you want to make things new. So Father, we pray that you start with us. And we pray that you would start in our hearts, as you draw us to yourself. We pray that you would work in our families, in our relationships. We pray that you would work, Father, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and around the world. God, you're inviting us. Our invitation awaits. Allow us to jump in, heart first and to experience all that you have for us and it's in the name the beautiful holy precious name of Jesus that we pray and we come to your table to respond amen